Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, last Lord's Day we looked at verses 20 and 21 where the Apostle Paul then reveals that the believer is the one who hears Christ. Even as Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. But if you look at verse 21, uh, you'll see what the Apostle says there in the subjunctive. He says, If indeed you have heard him. And that's the question for each one of us. Have you heard Christ speaking to you, to your soul, through His Word? Not simply the voice of the preacher, but that Christ makes Himself to be heard through the proclamation of His Word into the soul of an individual. You hear the words, Come to Me, all ye who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You hear that sin is that which is dealt with by the person of Christ and you are forgiven and you bear your sins no more and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you heard that? Have you heard Christ speaking to you through the Word by His Holy Spirit into the depths of your soul that you know that you're a child of God? This is the Spirit of God bearing witness with our spirits that we are truly the children of God. Of the living God. Christ speaks through His Word. Christ continues to speak through His Word. He doesn't speak audibly. He speaks through the Word of God. This is how He imprints and impresses upon the soul. Is by the ministry of the Spirit through the Word. He never speaks apart from His Word. But always in and through His revealed Word. God has revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ, who He has revealed in these last times, the writer of the Hebrews says. And so we come to the Word, and it is the Spirit using the Word, ministering through the Word, speaking to the depths of our soul. And this is what Paul says, If indeed you have heard Him, and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. This is the question, beloved. Have you heard Christ, and have you been taught by Him? Have you been and are you still enrolled in the school of Jesus Christ? If you are once enrolled, you are forever enrolled. Are you enrolled in the school of Christ so that you are instructed, you are taught by Him, you hear His voice? You don't hear the voice of strangers. You hear the voice of the Good Shepherd who laid down His life for His sheep. If that is the case then this is what the Apostle Paul says in our text. Notice that you put off. This is relational language. It is for the one who is in Jesus Christ. You're no longer in Adam. You are spiritually united to Jesus Christ. He is divine and you are a branch united to Him and His life flows through you. And because His life flows through you, you produce good fruit. We read of that of John 15, the vine and the branches. Jesus said, you must be born again. Are you born again? Do you have a new nature in Christ? Do you have new affections, new love, new direction, new principle, principle of grace reigning in your heart? Do you have new desires that are altogether new? They were not there before. They are new in that sense. 
knew that you have love for God, for Christ, for the Holy Spirit, for things holy, righteous, and good, which you did not have when you were in Adam, dead in your trespasses and sins. Are you born from above? You don't make yourself born from above. It is the Holy Spirit who regenerates the soul and raises you up to newness of life. If you want to use the physical example, it would be Lazarus in the tomb. Lazarus was dead. He had no ability to raise himself. No one else had the ability to raise up Lazarus but Jesus, God incarnate, who speaks and he rises from the dead. So it is that the Lord speaks to the soul of those who were given to Him by His Father from before the foundation of the world and raises them up spiritually to newness of life. And you hear and you come alive to the things of God. Now there is a love for the things of God where there once was hatred. There is a desire to follow where once there was a desire to run from the things of God. There is an affection. There is a new direction in life. A new standard. New disposition. All things have become new for the one who is born of the Spirit of God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. If that is the case, beloved, then we read Romans chapter 12. That you do not present yourselves uh, being conformed to the ways of this world. Or Romans 13. Uh, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the lust of the flesh uh, that it should rule over you. If you are in Christ, born of the Spirit of God, then you are not being conformed to the ways of this world, but you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, That's the relational sense that we have in Christ Jesus. So that's what Paul is dealing with here this morning. If you truly have heard Christ, if He has made you a new creation, then it's going to be demonstrated in the way that you live your life. Again, not a perfection of life, but certainly a new direction of life. You are not the same old person if you are born of the Spirit of God. The things of God have become alive to you. You have become altogether new. People don't recognize you. The ones that you used to run with, they don't recognize you anymore. You speak differently. You live differently. You act differently. Why is it? Because you desire to please the Master who bought you. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him. And this is what Paul says. That you put off concerning your former conduct. Now, this is not a command. What's interesting here... Paul uses an aorist tense, which means it's a past action that has continuing results in the future. So he's saying if you have heard Christ, it will be demonstrated by your continual action of growing in conformity to Jesus Christ. Not a perfection, but certainly a distinct direction in your life. You're not running with the crowd because you're not thinking like the crowd because you now have the mind of Christ. But notice that there is a position and a practice. And this is the difficulty of being who we truly are in Jesus Christ. It's getting the position and the practice to align, to match, to come together, to be parallel. So that our our practice, our lives, look like what we are positionally 
in Jesus Christ. And so we need to continually then put off, as Paul says here, the former manner. Now, Paul speaks about an old man. The old man is that person in Adam. It is the one who is with original sin is under the just condemnation of God. It is the man who is united in Adam, uh, who is connected to him spiritually, who is under the condemnation of God. That's the old man. I don't have an old man and a new man living within me. I am a new man in Christ. What's my problem? And I have a lot of problems. And some you don't even know about some of my problems. I have a lot of problems. Why is it? Why do I still have problems in contention with sin if I am the new man in Christ? The, the canons of Dort speak to that issue that God does not wholly eradicate the, the, the sin that is still within us, that rebellion that is still there. And how is that rebellion still there? It is the old manner of living, the disposition, the thinking, the memory, the habits that are hard to get rid of. Do you know what I'm talking about? I had a friend once who was in prison. And he got out of prison. And he had been there for a number of years in prison. And when he got out of prison, he is no longer incarcerated. He's a free man. But he lived in his own rented home like he was still a prisoner. He slept on the floor. He did things in his life that he did when he was in prison. There were times that we would be talking and he would raise his hand, can I go to the bathroom? I, I don't know, can you? What are you talking about? Because he couldn't do anything while he was in prison except by the permission of those that had authority over him. And that became the way that he lived his life. And it was a hard habit to break. I would tell him, you're not in prison anymore. You're a free man. Now live like a free man and remind yourself of who you are. Do you not have to tell yourself, I am a believer? I'm one who is in Christ. I am redeemed. I am no longer under the power of Satan and sin. I've got to rehabituate the way that I think. The actions, the affections. And they die hard, beloved. I'll give you a simple analogy. I got an update on my iPhone. I hate updates. I don't know why we have to have them. This is wrong. They're going to correct this to correct this. And it changes things on your phone. So I open up an app that I use every day. And it's the same app, but things are in different places. Now, mind you, I've been using this app for, I don't know, five or six years. And muscle memory. So I open the app and I go to where it used to be. It's no longer there. And I've been dealing with this now for a month or two. And I can't get back to, it's over here, it's not over here. It's a hard habit to break, isn't it? And that's what happens to us as Christians. Somebody says something evil to you, what do you want to do? You want to give them what we say, get it off my chest. Give them a piece of my mind. I want to really rail at them as well. 
Is that the Christian life? Is that what we have been called to? When somebody does evil to you, what is there a desire to do to them? Do evil back. Is that the Christian way? No. And you've got to remind yourself then, I am to do unto others even as I would have others do unto me. And that, that doesn't die easy. That, that's hard. The world is constantly saying, don't get mad, get even. Get revenge. How about this one? Let's hold a grudge. Let's be bitter. Let's be angry at one another over 20 acres of land that I didn't get, that I thought I should get, but now I hate that guy. And I'm going to go to my grave hating that individual. And yet Paul says to rejoice with those who rejoice. That's the Christian way. Not to be angry and vengeful towards someone that got something that you thought you deserved, but you didn't get it. Providentially, it went to somebody else. What do you do if somebody wrongs you and then they come to you and ask for forgiveness? Oh, no, 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 no. I've got to get a pound of flesh first. It's not what Jesus says. That if your brother comes to you and says he repents, you shall forgive him. That's the Christian way. And beloved, don't get me wrong. We're going to get to this as Paul deals with this as well with regards to forgiveness. Forgiveness is not some amorphous. It's not something that just floats around out there. You know, they never come to ask for forgiveness about a wrong that they did. And they were confronted on it, but they never asked for forgiveness. But I just forgive them in my heart and go my own way. Scripture knows nothing of that. It knows something about not being angry and bitter towards them. How about praying for them? Stoffing your heart, keeping your heart from bitterness and not being angry and vengeful towards them. I have to do that. There's no such thing as forgiving somebody in a vacuum. They haven't asked, they didn't have confessed, they haven't nothing. And I'm just supposed to forgive him and everything's going to go all right. Where do you find that in Scripture? That's not what the Bible teaches. But yet if they come and they ask for forgiveness, you have no biblical warrant to withhold forgiveness. And then what is true forgiveness? You don't bring it up anymore. You don't hold it against them any longer. That's true forgiveness. That is contrary to our former conduct. I know what it means to be vengeful. I know what it means to get even with people. I know what it means to be spiteful and to slander because you have been slandered and to gossip because you have been gossiped about. I I understand that. I know what it means to live as a pagan. I did so for 26 years. But that's not the way of Christ. And do you not have to remind yourself? Do we not have to remind one another that this is not how we live? We have a new principle that we follow. We are those that are in Christ. We are not in Adam. We are all together new. And that's why you've heard this before. You've heard it from me. You've heard it from others that have been on the radio. You've heard it from others that have preached. Preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of who you are in Christ Jesus. What Christ has done for you. And therefore, keep on putting off that old manner. That old conduct. That does what? It it, it grows corrupt. Keeps on putrefying. It does nothing good. 
Being vengeful in my soul does nothing good. It ruins my own soul. And, and we're, we're ignorant on that. We're blind about that. We don't think that it does, but it does. I'll tell you firsthand, beloved, it irritates, it poisons, it ruins your spiritual life. We have no desire then to worship, to read, to pray, to fellowship. It's a consequence of allowing bitterness to rule up in your heart. And you have the power now by the new nature and the Spirit of God dwelling in you to put it off. It grows corrupt. Sin is deceitful. Notice what it says there. Uh, according to the deceitful lusts. Now look at From this side all the way over to this side and everybody in between and me included. We all have lust. Sinful lust that putrefies within the soul. And it's deceiving because the passing pleasures of a season, they promise happiness, but they only deliver pain. I read this. Interesting. In 1940, the USS Indianapolis was afloat in the Pacific. And they were bringing some uranium that was supposedly going to end the war, World War II. And the Japanese intercepted that ship and shot a missile and destroyed the ship. And there were over a thousand men that were on board. Numerous men died immediately. Others went overboard and were afloat on parts of the boat. They were afloat for five or six days before they were rescued. I think it said there were somewhere upwards like 600 that were off the boat floating and out of that uh, 400 had died. Do you know how they died? They were in the South Pacific and it was very hot and when the sun came out and you were floating there on what one of the commanders said was crystal clear water. And you began to be so parched and have cotton mouth that you wanted a drink of water and you, there you started drinking that water in the ocean. And that water in the ocean gave an appearance of quenching the thirst. Only dehydrated the men and brought them to their death. The commander said that he did all that was in his power to keep the men from drinking the water. And yet that's the deceitful lure, isn't it? That's what Satan promises to us. It's pleasurable. Sin is pleasurable. If it wasn't, you wouldn't want it. If it tasted bad, you wouldn't want a taste of it. But once you've tasted it, you want more of it. And it only brings the dehydration and brings you down to ruin. Because there is only true joy in the living water, which is Jesus Christ. Satan always brings the facade. He always brings things to us as a temptation to take a bite. Take bite now. You want to now. And this is what Moses said. You know, he neglected that. 
the passing pleasures of sin for a season. Because that's all it is. It's only a season. Paul says, get rid of it. That's a constant, beloved. If we have heard Christ, we are those that are continually putting that off. And that's a daily exercise, isn't it? Daily being renewed in your mind so that you would think Christ's thoughts after Him. And there's always a challenge. There's always a difficulty in sitting down and reading the Word. You get tired. There's disruption. Now you've got the phone to contend with. Every little ding takes your attention away from the Word. We've got to do things about that so we're not distracted. So that our minds can be renewed and we can think again and again and more and more and deeper and deeper of the things of the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in His ways. That's the only way that we're going to put off the old manner of living. We all have it. Some more than others. I went to college for four years. I've done things that, you know, that I'm ashamed of. And I've got a past memory now. And I can't get rid of it. I can't unthink what I have thought, what I have seen. I, I can't unthink it. I can't undo it. And so it's with you. But it's through the washing of the water of the Word that my mind gets cleansed. And the more that I'm in the Word, the more the cleansing takes place, the more healing that takes place, and the more my life is more and more straightened. You go to an orthodontist to straighten your teeth, an orthopedic surgeon to straighten your bones, so that once was crooked is now set in alignment. And this is what the teaching of God's Word, orthodoxy does, beloved. It aligns our lives right. As how we are created and recreated in Christ Jesus to live. So, Paul goes on and he says, that old man, you're no longer that person. If you're in Christ, you are no longer in Adam. You are not one man riding on two horses. You are in Jesus Christ and you have got to rehabituate what you do, what you think, how you live your life as one who has heard Christ, been born of the Spirit of God. If you're not, well, you can go on and you can put on the show, the display. You can live your moral life for all the wrong reasons. And as I said, the moral life will keep you out of jail, but it won't keep you out of hell. Only Christ can do that. And we ought to be moral people, but we ought to be moral for the right reason. What is the right reason? For the glory of God. Not for my own esteem and for my namesake, but for the glory of God. Because God has done this, I now live like this. And it is in keeping with the ethic of Scripture, which brings my life into a moral living, which is pleasing to God. It's a fight. It is a daily fight. The Catechism says in 127, the world and the flesh and the devil assail us without ceasing. It's tiring, beloved. That's why we need one another. That's why we are to encourage one another. And I've said it before, to encourage is to put courage to someone who is fearful or weak. Do you not need courage? Are there not fearful times in your life? We don't know what's around the next corner and you're fearful and you need somebody to put courage to you. 
How do you put courage to someone? With the word of truth. God's word brings courage to the believer. And so we are renewed with the spirit of our mind. That's a constant renewal. Present tense. Keep on being renewed in the spirit of your mind. The way that I think. You see, our lives as Christians, beloved, is not abstract from the mind. We are to love God with all of our mind. Now, there is a lot of confusion when it comes to thinking. Thinking is not daydreaming. Thinking is dialoguing. Thinking is rationalizing. It's comparing. It's contrasting. There is more than just you know, is thinking about, well, look at this bird fly out there. No, there's implications in how we think. Thinking in accordance with God's Word. Thinking in the reasoning line of Scripture. Going from point A to point B to point C discursively in how we reason. We are to be a thinking people. So what do I think with? Do I think with my brain or do I think with my soul? What is the mind referred to in Scripture? If you search the Scriptures and you track it down, you'll find that the brain is never referred to as the mind. The mind is referred to as cardia, the inner man, the heart. That's the inner man. Paul speaks about an outer man and an inner man. Now, I'll agree. There's some mystery here. But let me ask you, what happens to you when you die? Your body goes into the ground. Your soul goes to be with the Lord. Where's your brain? Is your brain material or immaterial? Well, it's material. It's what we call the gray matter, right? What happens to it? It goes into the ground. So are you saying to me then that I die, my body goes into the ground, and then I'm floating around as an unthinking being? No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, then how do I think? I think with the inner man, with the soul. There's some correspondence with the brain. I don't know what it is. I haven't found it in Scripture. It's interesting. But when you die, you go on as a conscious individual, a rational individual. I mean, the Apostle Paul, when he was translated into third heaven, he he said that whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. How real that it was to him of what he saw and what he heard and yet his body was down on earth. Because he had been stoned at Lystra. So, beloved, we are to be people that grow in the mind, in the thinking. And you cannot, you cannot, did you get that? You cannot grow in your thinking And to be like Christ apart from the word of Christ. It is that that strange, ineffable work of the Spirit that as we behold Jesus in His word, we become like Him. As we see Him, 2 Corinthians 3, as we behold Him, I begin thinking more along the lines of Jesus Christ. I think like He thinks. Isn't that what was said about the disciples? That they had been with Jesus. They were thinking, they were talking like Christ. That's the renewal by the Holy Spirit through the Word. 
That is a continual action in the life of the Christian. And that you put on that new man. This is who you are. You're the new man in Christ. You have put off the old clothes. The new clothes have come on. In the early church, when they would have baptism, the old clothes would be taken off. And then once the baptism was given, they would be placed on white robes. New clothing. Because as they came out of the water of baptism, they were cleansed. They were all together new. It was revealed that way as a, as a sign, as a symbol of renewal. And that's what water baptism is. It's a sign and a symbol of an inward renewal. So you put off that old and you put on the new man. The old has been put off and the new man is being put on. That's a continual act. And if you've heard Christ, that's what you're doing. It was created, the new man, according to God, in true righteousness and true holiness. Righteousness, doing the right thing. This has reference to the second table of the law. It's my actions towards other human beings. We are to live righteous and godly. Uh, There is... True righteousness, true holiness, and true knowledge, what Paul speaks about in Colossians chapter 3. But my righteous behavior. You see, beloved, there is an imputation and then there is an impartation. The imputation is that which is attributed to us. It's reckoned to us. That is the righteous robes of Christ by which we stand justified, holy, righteous before a holy God. That is the righteous works of Jesus Christ. If that is the case, then there is an impartation of righteousness where your behavior, you are being made righteous. That's what we're going to find, practically speaking, as Paul says. You once were lying, stop it. Speak the truth. You once stole, stop stealing. It's a practical aspect. So our righteous behavior ought to increase if we are righteously covered by Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other, beloved. If you're not growing in righteousness, you have not have the righteous works of Christ imputed to you. You're not in Christ. And so he says, they have created towards God in righteousness and holiness. Notice the holiness now deals with the the first table of the law. It's our life towards God. It's holy living, sacrificial living, worshipful living, distinct living, purposeful living to glorify and honor Him, to obey Him. That's what holy people do. They're set apart unto holiness to obey the God who has redeemed them. We have been called out of humanity to live a life that is holy unto our God. So here's the question. Have you heard him? Has Christ spoke to your soul and raised you up spiritually and given you new life? Are you a new creation in Christ? Are you one who is striving continually to put off the old habits, disposition, affections, loves? Those desires that were in Adam that are no longer to be in Christ Jesus? Is that you? And that you have the comfortable assurance, beloved, that the Spirit of God is alive and working within your soul. You have been raised up to newness of life. And the Holy Spirit is testifying that you are a child of the living God. You are striving to put off that old manner of living. 
you've done it, haven't you? Haven't you done things and you said, why do I? That, that's not even Christian behavior. An unbeliever doesn't say that. An unbeliever doesn't say, this is not pleasing to the Lord. He doesn't say that. He didn't care. It's the one who was born of the Spirit of God who cares. Who wants to please the one who bought him. Is that you? Be in the Word. And as you're in the Word, the Holy Spirit will do His work. You will think differently. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will then behave differently. Because you think differently. And this is the work of the Spirit. And this is what Paul calls us to as those who have heard Christ and have been taught by Him. Keep on attending the school of Christ. Amen. Shall we pray?